Welcome to Shout Out Patriots. I'm Martin Moyer, your host, and joining me is Pastor Jason Bender of the Patriot Church. We have Alec Rooney, who's the news editor for Christian Action Network, joining us, and Michael Moyer at the control panel out in Columbus, Ohio, is the chairman of Christian Action Network, David Carroll. He's also a former attorney, having recently retired, becoming one of us. But nevertheless, he will bring great legal analysis to our program, and we always appreciate having him here with us so that when we go off in the wrong path and what we think the law says, David will be here like last week to correct us and put us straight. So that's an important guest to have on our program. So speaking of why it's great to have an attorney in the program, it's the lead topic of tonight, and that is the pending arrest of former President Donald Trump. I mean, what is going on here? I mean, this is so confusing. And I'm sure most Americans have no clue whatsoever what these charges are all about and why this president may spend up to four years in jail or perhaps longer. So we're going to talk about that. But first, let's, uh, you know, hopefully explain this to the American public out there, at least what I know about why President Trump is being charged or going to be charged. So Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Braggs he has investigated claims that Trump and his business associates hid the real purpose of a $130,000 payment to his former attorney, Michael Cohen, who, by the way, as everybody knows, is a jailbird himself. He's in jail, right? right? So Trump listed the payment as a legal retainer, but attorney Alvin Bragg out of Manhattan says it was actually used to buy Stormy Daniels' silence Remember regarding her? an affair. Yeah. <laughs> and her attorney, Michael Avenetti, who is currently in jail. Also in jail. Yeah, the corrupt attorneys here, ain't they? <laughs> All right. So, but it's not just this one charge that Trump might be facing from these New York prosecutors. He also may be charged with violating state election laws. And here's where it starts to get really complicated and bizarre. So Braggs will likely claim that the payment to silence Stormy Daniels served the purpose of covering up the alleged affair to help Donald Trump's 2016 election campaign. So under this legal theory, Trump not only should have not marked this $130,000 payment as an attorney fee, but he should have claimed it as a campaign contribution to himself. So he may face additional charges, meaning even more time in jail. Now, David, I hope that I did a fairly decent job of explaining what these charges are about, but uh, help me out here. Where did I go wrong and what can you clarify? Well, I think you you have them right. Um, and, and there are things going on that I don't entirely understand. Something about how Bragg is trying to convert a minor state claim into a a federal crime and and it's it's just it's bizarre. Um, well, the way I understand and, and, and it is the, the election law is a New York election law that he violated, so not necessarily a federal law. So I, I know some people have brought up, well, you know, didn't uh, John Edwards, when he was running for president, uh, 
a number of years ago, his payment to make a silence about some affair that he was doing that was ruled unconstitutional or thrown out of court. But uh, this isn't a federal law Bragg is claiming that Trump violated. He's saying that he violated New York election laws. Now, I have a question on that. Now, since he was running for the federal government, would state election laws even apply to him in that way? Right. Well, I don't know, David. That is a good question. I hadn't thought about that. Is it, you know, uh, I don't know. This is so confusing. I can't imagine most Americans being able to parse their way through all of this. I'm having trouble parsing my way through it, too. I don't understand what his theory is. Uh, and, And I think Michael's question is really a good one. Since it's a, I think the state election law probably does apply because if you remember, and we've we've gone through this issue in in some other things, but the uh, the United States Constitution says that the way elections are going to be handled is to be decided by the state legislatures. So it makes perfect sense that the state election law would apply to this. Yeah, but that's like uh, that. That's uh, like how you vote and stuff, not funding, right? I mean, that, that seems like two different things, especially because you can get funding from, you know, California, even though he probably didn't get that much from there. But other states would come in as well, and it just seems that uh, there would be a whole lot of contradictions or, you know, uh, things getting caught up in the mix if you're going by every state when yeah, you're, when you you're know doing what? that. The point that you're making is kind of interesting, Michael, because— you know, right, violating state election law by making this contribution if they are able to really pass this off as a contribution to his own campaign to silence Stormy Daniels, wouldn't every state then be able to charge Donald Trump then because, you know, wouldn't he have violated a whole bunch of state laws by making that claim? I don't know, but here, here's my point. This is so complicated. This is going to be one horrible arrest for the nation, because most people can understand if perhaps a former president went out there and committed a crime that everybody could comprehend Mm -hmm. is a felony. But they're going to have to try to figure out exactly what he is being charged with and why he might go to jail over perhaps, you know, an accounting error of writing something down as a legal expense rather than whatever it should have been written down. And I'm not even sure what he was supposed to put down on his paper if he was buying off Stormy Daniels. And let's say he was. I don't know, but let's say he was. What was he supposed to put down on his sheet of paper? I have no clue. It's well, just, look, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, with the, the all this confusion we're talking about, it only makes sense because it's coming from the left. Every week it seems like we talk about legislature, organizations, all these different things from the left and a lot of times as we know there's like 15 different words right in the document in the title and it's confusing right so that's how they operate they operate out of confusion so the public the general public has no idea what's going on right but that's just going to outrage them i mean i think that this is this type of stuff done on purpose so they can infuriate Trump supporters and their ultimate goal of them trying to cause this civil war. Now, Trump not only faces being charged with this crime and having to go to court, can you imagine? He's going to be read his Miranda rights. 
He's going to have to go into jail. He's going to have to get fingerprinted. He's going to have to pose for a mugshot. We don't know. He may be placed in a holding cell. He may, in some cases, probably if he was in Georgia, this would happen, be put in an orange jumpsuit. Get put in the jumpsuit. Before he and have to take a shower first before being put in that jumpsuit. But this is just the next page in the whole story of Trump, which is like one cooked-up, phony scandal, crime, whatever, after another. Whether it's the bad phone call with the president of Ukraine or it's colluding with Russia for the election. and Just one thing after another. And I think what it really shows is how afraid they still are of him. Yeah. And so, you have to wonder why they're still so afraid of Donald Trump. He could be placed in a holding cell with hardened criminals, maybe some that do not like Donald Trump, have um, to go take a shower. There probably with be some that really criminals. like him, too. Yeah, probably <laughs> could be who don't like him. That means that Secret Service obviously has to be in jail with him. Mm-hmm. If he is convicted and has to spend four years in jail, it's going to be the first time ever in history. That Secret Service agents had to go to jail to guard a former president. So he's not going to stick him in there by himself. He doesn't lose that coverage if he goes to jail? He does not lose that coverage. That's funny. Hmm. I can see him in the holding cell going around and shaking hands with people and you know, what are you in for? And you know. he, he might even do a Trump rally in the cell. Right? Yeah, really, you have like a little MAGA rally. Have some news coverage there. <laughs> so, yeah. David, I actually had a question for you. Now, I, I about this whole, they were trying to upgrade this charge to be a felony because they said it was a uh, campaign finance or a contribution to his campaign. Now, I know that they are suggesting that because this helped his campaign, that um, it is therefore a contribution. My my question to you is is because he is a uh, he he he's a public person and he was successful well before becoming the president. It is likely that he would have paid this Stormy Daniels to not go running her mouth anyway, even if he wasn't running the president, running for president. Isn't that a contradiction to the fact that this is a campaign contribution and not just a normal activity Trump would have done. Michael, I think you're exactly right. Let's remember, we don't know really what Trump is going to be charged with. If he's going to be charged with anything, the indictments haven't been issued. We don't know under exactly what, under what statutes they're going to claim. So all we can do is speculate that at this point, Remember, we are looking at a federal prosecution. Uh, this is a, the, the uh, United States attorney for the Southern District of New York that's bringing it. So he's looking for something under the federal laws. But you're exactly right. The, one of the biggest problems with the, the case, assuming the theory that you know, we're going on a theory, we're going on the belief that they're going to claim that the payment to Stormy Daniels was uh, was really a campaign expenditure, but I don't know how you prove that. I mean, mm-hmm. exactly as you say, he was a public person. He had they had uh, all sorts of public you know property, and uh, who's to say that the the payment was to uh, was for campaign purposes as opposed to generally to reduce a public st- scandal to protect his wife? I mean, figuring out exactly what the purpose of that payment was, or at least 
twisting the purpose of that payment into being a campaign contribution is strikes me as a very difficult a very difficult way to go in front of an impartial jury. Maybe assuming she... they can find an impartial jury. In <laughs> yeah. Maybe he just wanted her to get a nice new diamond necklace or yeah. something. Well, just to bring, I hope, some clarity here, there's nothing wrong, as I understand it, for Donald Trump to make a campaign expenditure, even if he wa- the goal was to silence Stormy Daniels. The problem was he didn't report it as a campaign expenditure. So, and we were talking about this uh, right before we came down, uh, Jason. At what degree does this become stupid? Because if a person wants to run for president and he says, well, I need to look good in front of this audience. I'm going to go out and buy me a nice watch. I'm going to buy me a nice suit. I'm going to get rid of the junky car I have and buy a nice car. Or is that going to be a campaign expenditure because somehow that will help your campaign? Mm -hmm. Where do you draw the line here on this crazy campaign expenditure stuff? Yeah, And Marty, I think earlier you mentioned, and, and, and I'm trying to wrap my head around all this as well, so you mentioned that this was an attorney retainer fee, right? The hundred and thirty thousand. That's right? what it's right. written in Trump's business records as a retainer fee. Right. So it's if it's if they're truthful that it was to pay off Stormy Daniels, there would have to be some sort of paper trail from said attorney to Stormy. There would have to be some sort of transfer of funds, or else if the money's still with the attorney, then how does that benefit Stormy? Well, I can make this even more complicated. Michael Cohen was an attorney for Donald Trump for quite some time. I'm sure Michael Cohen has more than $130,000 from Donald Trump. So how do you determine that it was that $130,000 that went to Stormy Daniels, the one that he wrote in his business records Mm -hmm, as a legal retainer? As we're we're talking about this, (laughs) it seems like this is, you know, us not being attorneys with the exception of David, it seems like this is going to be a tough you know, case here to to pin anything against Trump, except for a New York jury. David, you got a comment. I think it's all subject to what we call the so what defense. I mean, so so what he recorded. It was a, a, the payment to Stormy Daniels was recorded as a payment to Trump's lawyer. Well, that's where the check was written. Right. The check was written to Michael Cohen, put in his trust account. Uh, and I'm assuming uh, I'm assuming they can prove all these facts, but put it in his trust account, and he paid Stormy Daniels. And there was a, I remember from years ago, there was a confidentiality agreement with a, uh, you know, with a with a, a release of some kind. So, so what if he recorded it as payment to the lawyer, if it was to, if it was not intended solely for uh, camp, as a campaign expenditure? If it was intended as an expenditure to protect his family, if it was intended as a, mm-hmm. a an expenditure to protect his public reputation, who cares how it was recorded? It doesn't matter. Right. right. All and that all... matters is can the prosecutor prove that it was intended as a campaign expenditure? Period. If all that doesn't, you know, make that hair crawl up your back, we also ha- can't ignore this Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. Right, because he's focusing all this time and energy and money to go after Donald Trump, but he has one of the worst uh, case records in all mankind of prosecuting real criminals. Right, in New he's York a City. Soros attorney, right? Yeah, yep. he received a million dollars uh, from uh, you know backed by George Soros 
uh, to win his election. Right. In 2022, during Bragg's first year as the Manhattan top prosecutor, he downgraded more than half of the felony cases to misdemeanors. But meanwhile, with Trump, he's trying to figure out how to elevate a misdemeanor case yeah. into a felony. Yes. And look at that stuff should make you mad. He's yeah. making criminals into non-criminals and non-criminals into criminals. And look at how ironic this is, right? He's going after Trump for for a, a falsified a campaign contribution, according to him, and he's gotten motivated campaign contributions from Soros, right? <laughs> right. For a motive that Soros and he and the left want to take care of. So it, it's just you can see the irony all over this thing. Well, and the, the weird thing about it is. There's a state law. Apparently, he could be uh, the the prosecutor could bring a claim against uh, Trump for a misdemeanor falsification of financial records. But what Bragg's trying to do is to convert this state misdemeanor into a federal felony by by using a combination of state and federal codes in a bizarre way that's just not. Not right. I don't, I don't think it's going to go anywhere, but it's that's what he's doing. But, you know, I've been watching the news recently, and they said that this is just evidence of how they treat everybody equally under the law. <laughs> what are you doing watching the news? <laughs> yeah. uh, that sounds like Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Bragg also issued a memo to city prosecutors, and he says that armed robbery charges would be reduced to misdemeanors if the firearm did not create a general risk of physical harm. <laughs> I think that Trump should go try to rob a liquor store and see what happens. Meanwhile, yeah. maybe they'll let him off. If you're a real criminal out there using a firearm, he wants to reduce that to a misdemeanor. But who can forget that last year, a bodega clerk worker in a store who was attacked by a ex-convict. Right. And he had to defend himself Violently and attacked. ended up stabbing that ex-convict yeah. to defend himself. Bragg went out and originally charged that guy with murder. For defending himself. With a knife, by the way, not a firearm. While he, he was getting charged. robbed in his store. But he's got time to come after Trump yeah, over nice. a, something the Trump organization put down on a ledger. An elevator from misdemeanor to felony. David. Uh, and there's another issue. The statute of limitations. Under state law, the statute of limitations for falsifying a, 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 this kind of election document is two years, long past. Under federal law, the statute of limitations under the Federal Election Commission Act is five years. It's more than five years since 2016. All right. Let me be the devil's advocate here and explain what their argument is about this statute of limitations. So this payment was made in 2016. So if you have a two-year statute of limitation, that moves you up to 2018. By 2018, President Trump was then president of the United States, where the state was not allowed to bring charges against him until he was out of office. And uh, so in 2020, there was a pandemic that swept the nation, and the prosecutors saying that, well, because of the pandemic, that then extended it even past that two years. That's just and therefore, crazy. we yeah, are still is. within the statute of limitations that would have expired, what, five years ago? Yeah. And but it can continue on under that math that they're using. 
Well, and see, I I thought sounds like Common Core method. That they were able to, uh, if they wanted to uh, have a charge ready for somebody while they're in office, they can. They just can't prosecute him until he got out of office. They would have to charge him when they found out, but they couldn't put him in trial until he got out of right. office. Right, so he's out of office but in 2020. they didn't charge him until recently. Or right. They still haven't charged him, so that would still pass their statute. But they well, would have had to have charged him while he was in office. They just couldn't have done anything to him until he got out, but they could have still charged him while he was in office. I'm sure That's what I thought. They will explain it all to us, uh, and it really doesn't matter how they try to convince us, right? they got to convince a judge about this. David, can a judge just look at this case on his face and say, no, I'm not accepting this case. Or if the prosecutor says, no, we're charging them, it has to go to jail. Does judge does the judge have a discretion here? Sure. Sure, the judge has discretion, but typically that discretion is not going to be exercised without uh, a motion. I mean, Trump's lawyers could file a motion to dismiss if, as soon as the indictment is, is issued. Uh, on, on, on based on any number of things, including the statutes of limitation. And the two-year statute of limitations doesn't apply anyway because the prosecutor can't bring a state claim. He's bringing a federal claim. The federal claim is five years. And I don't think the five years is told by, by Trump being in office, at least not for a violation of federal law. And the COVID thing just makes no sense. You know, I could see mm-hmm. if there were no court cases during COVID, there were no charges brought up, no indictments in the entire nation. So why would we have a clause here, you know, a loophole for this case, if there were still things in process, things going to court, judges making decisions during COVID? That makes absolutely no sense. So New York City Mayor Adams, he once said, you know, and when I say once said, I mean several months ago, He said, regarding New York and under Alvin Bragg, you have to work really hard to get to Rikers Island right now. To get there, you did something that is really bad. So here you got (laughs) a Democrat, you know, mayor up there saying how hard it is to put people in jail in that city over real crimes. You got to do something really bad. Nevertheless, they have time and energy to go after a former president of the United States over something that he wrote down in the ledger, calling it, you know, an attorney right. fee. Yeah. Amazing. Well, does anybody here think that, you know, if they actually arrest Donald Trump and put him in jail, even for this, you know, for a half an hour or whatever, that this is going to create, you know, havoc throughout the nation to the point where, you know, you might see, you know, some violence. Start the Trump. civil war that, that they want they, to start. You that's, mean? that's what they want. Let's yeah, hope he doesn't so much as stub his toe while he's in jail or bump his head on something. Or I think the whole thing, you know, when I look at it just from a bigger picture here over everything the libs are doing, the Dems are doing, the Biden doing, the DOJ's doing, the FBI's doing, State Department's doing, what the CDC is doing, everything. You add it all up together. It seems like how can we keep poking this bear? In order to get them to take up arms against us, what do we have to do? We raided the guy's home, you know. Yeah. By o- the way, over the nuclear document, we we raided <laughs> his home, even though we were doing the same thing, hiding confidential, secret right. documents in our houses and complexes. But it emerged right after that that Biden had the documents. Yeah, and all these other people were taking documents home, and Pence was. So and- we pushed the button. No riots, you know. No one took up arms. 
they know, and, and I think from the beginning, the goal is to put uh, Trump in jail so they can create a violent J6 type event. I don't even That's think, what they want. I don't even they're think they're not going to stop until they get there. A, a, a violent one. I think they're just looking for a large enough group of people that they can actually put somebody in there that will start a violent thing. Like uh, they had their they chance done. on January six. Yeah, um, but they. I mean, they could have made much more of that than they did. Looking back on it, they really wanted to turn that into the Reichstag fire. Um, they could have done a lot more. Well, I some think people. Maybe most of it happened after the fact. Some commentators are saying that all this is is a way to get the focus off of Hunter Biden and the Chinese money. It seems like everything is, right? <laughs> and and with these alleged, very confusing, unidentifiable charges, they're grasping for straws, right? And they're trying to do anything to cause a stir. Obviously, they're trying to take attention, like you said, Marty, off of something, which they're always trying to do. And... We, we, you know, there's so many people in this country who have a great allegiance to Donald Trump, right? So it's going to stir something up for sure. Yeah. So, so not only did you know this come out, this uh, you know pending arrest of Donald Trump, also what was leaked this week. And again, if you're of the mindset that all this is happening to cover up, you know, Hunter Biden, this kind of fits and dovetails right into it because what was leaked was that the Department of Justice plans on charging one thousand more j6 rioters or protesters or however you want to call them uh in the coming months one thousand more they already have charged one thousand j6 people they plan on adding another one thousand so the new york uh, post reports this the biden administration is planning to charge another one thousand trump supporters with crimes related to the january 6th capital clash Bloomberg News says that this information was disclosed in a letter recently to the D.C. federal court from the U.S. attorney in Washington. The original letter they're referring to was written on October 28th. That is when the letter was written that they plan on charging an additional thousand to the thousand of people they've already arrested. But it was only recently disclosed in the last week that this was going to happen. Again, is this once more, an attempt to take your eyes off of Hunter Biden and put it squarely on Trump and his supporters. So what they're saying is, is that, oh, well, you know, we're going to charge Trump. We may arrest him. We may put him in jail. We may handcuff him. And he may spend the next four years in jail. And you people out there, I'm warning you right now, if you want to protest, we may interpret that as sedition to this country, because you know what? We're going to charge another 1,000 J6 people in the coming months. Yeah, I mean, that's what it seems like to me. And, you know, it is, it, like you said, it is uh, obviously and easily made as a distraction, because if you think about it, the only thing that uh, the Democrats need is another story, just one story that their news agencies can report on to take away from the news that comes out about Hunter. Because if there was no other news story, people would eventually wind up hearing all this horrible things that the Biden administration and family has done. Uh, they'd wonder why their newspapers and why their you know favorite channels aren't reporting it. So I thought now Hunter Biden was totally up. above the law. So if, if ever there was a guy who was like, Absolutely could not be charged with a crime. It must be him. It is him. I mean, uh, when you think about his— What are you so his, worried about? 
his father just writing some executive order about restricting handguns, and this guy actually yeah. threw one away at a at got got it illegally and threw it away at a uh, like a at a school. Come he, on now, you he don't doesn't care count, about Michael. laws. I mean, <laughs> he doesn't count. He's exempt from those rules. Yeah, that's that's Biden's as a family. Well, anyway. <laughs> The coming days are going to be very interesting, and uh, I, I'm not sure. Can't make a prediction about what's actually going to happen. Uh, some media people have been running around talking to Trump supporters, asking if they are willing to take up arms in this <laughs> arrest, of course. <laughs> and, uh, of course, they're getting the answers that they want to hear. That mm-hmm. Some are willing to take up arms. Uh, of course, I think that's a lot of huff and puff among a lot of uh, you know super-duper Trump supporters out there that they would actually take up arms. Uh, but who who knows? And, you know, you got some liberal media with guy with a microphone in your face asking a stupid question. You might also get you know the answer that uh, you want to hear. Right. You know, what do I care? You know, yeah, sure, I'm going to take up arms. You know, so but anyway, let's move on to another what I think is kind of a outrageous story from a religious perspective, and that is Dr. Aaron Edwards. Now he's a Methodist theologian who did teach. Theology at Cliff College in Derbyshire, England. He was dismissed from the school after being accused of bringing the college into disrepute because he sent out a tweet claiming homosexuality is invading the church. So this is a United Methodist church with one of their theologians tweeting, homosexuality is invading the church, which it is. Everybody knows it is, especially the Methodist Church. Mm-hmm. And wrecking our right? church. Not no, just in England, by the like, way. You're fired. But in the United States as well. The yes. homosexuality is invading the Methodist Church. And the Methodists are deserting the church in droves and starting their own new parts or new kind of uh, Methodism. Well, Dr. Edwards, the guy that w- made the tweet, he says this. This is a gospel issue, by the way. If sin is no longer sin... We no longer need a savior. You know, even in America, that's what's happening with these churches. They are so desiring to get congregants into their pews, and I think a lot of that is for the fame and for the money, that they are willing to tell the congregants what they want to hear. And they don't want the people who actually think something is a sin to be preached at from the pulpit so they're just not going to preach it anymore. They're just going to accept it because what's important to them right now are the numbers and the money. And that certainly is the case with this Methodist church in England because one senior staff member, he said that those tweets made by Dr. Edwards could be extremely damaging and might impact the college's core work and our business plan. There it is. Yeah, the business our plan. business yeah. plan. Yeah. Our money. Yeah. He says, I tweet like that, less money's going to come in. We got to accept homosexuality. But if the church accepts everything, then how, pastor, do you then go out and preach Jesus? Because I, to me, the core element of Jesus is to say, I am here to forgive you of your sins, and therefore you need to accept me in your heart for that forgiveness. But if I don't think I'm sinning because... The church is telling me I'm not sinning. Then how do you evangelize anymore? Yeah, you know, in Dr. Edwards' tweet there, he made a fantastic point. And, 
you know, it's something that's that's so simple yet very profound. And as you're talking about this story, Marty, it makes me think if we just go back really quickly to the whole Trump story we're talking about, right? So it's a similar point of view because what we talked about with the Trump story, it's confusion, it's chaos. Same thing here, right? The gospel is very simple, right? We understand that the Bible clearly lays out where God stands in homosexuality amongst many other sins, as we know. But now we have churches, we have pastors, we have professors, we have Bible colleges who want to distort God's words. And in my notes here, I had the same thing about the business plan, right? Because that's what it comes down to, right? It's not a case for let's seek truth at all costs. That's what we should be doing. If we're you know, theologians, Christians, Bible scholars, what have you, we should just say, okay, what does God's word say? And that's all I care about. I don't care about man's opinion. So kudos to Dr. Edwards because he had some fantastic tweets there. He's taking a very strong stand. Doesn't surprise me that this is within the United Methodist denomination. We see homosexuality infiltrating. But my question to them would be, you know, where do they stand with adultery? Where do they stand with you know, any other sin, where do they stand with addiction, drugs, alcohol? You know, the problem is, is that we've elevated this sin called homosexuality. We've kind of made it a little cult within the church. We don't want to offend that demographic. We're sending them straight to hell because we're afraid to preach the truth. With them elevating their business plan over the truth, they have to look at the scriptures where the Bible says you can't serve both God and mammon. You can't serve both God and money. So there needs to make a decision. So, you know, I, I, I love how uh, Dr. Edwards took this approach. It was just phenomenal. You know, uh, we released a video today called After School's Satan Club. And what we were doing is exposing who these people really are, what they do behind the scenes that they're not telling school boards so that school boards can look at the true nature of these Satanists before they allow them into the public schools. Well, we were in Chesapeake, Virginia, where one of these after-school Satan clubs is allowed to meet, and we spoke to a father there who's also a teacher, a father there, uh, and he explained why he was there opposing it. He said he attended the school board meeting while he was there, and at that meeting, to decide whether to let this satanic club into the school or not was also the Good News Club, which also holds after-school religious clubs there. And he said he was shocked because the Good News Club supported the right of the Satanists to also be in the school because they are in the school. And when he said that, you, I immediately knew what was up here. The Good News Club says, I don't want to lose the money that I'm making over these clubs in these elementary schools. We That's our bread and butter here. If the school board takes this particular approach that the parents wanted, that is, the Satanists are out, the school board will probably say, well, then the Good News Club has to go out as well. So what did the Good News Club do? Did they do what this teacher asked, parent and teacher asked, did they do what was right? No, they they did not do what was right. They went for the money. And we see this all the time now in these religious ministries going for the money rather than doing what the Bible says to do. Alec? They could have been just expressing an American ideal, too, which is that everybody is That's not an American ideal. 
Right. I, that is not an American. Having a Satan what? club in a public school is an American ideal. That's never been an well, American ideal. Well, it's kind ideal. of a misguided one. But no, it's not even a misguided one. Everybody's allowed to talk in America. To have a... He, they, they weren't talking about right. talking here. They're talking about a club right. for... And K- the school needs to stand up and, and, and do some judging about what kind of talk it allows inside its walls. But I can see, like, kids saying, like, well, no, let them talk. Let them, you know, let them have their say. This isn't just talk here. This is a club coming in. And by the way, this particular school in Chesapeake, B.M. Williams Primary, the grades in that school are K through 2. Two, not even K through 5 or 6. So they're grabbing little tiny kids and putting them into after-school satanic clubs. No, that has never been a tradition in America, and God forbid that it would ever be a tradition in America. And if I got anything to do with it, it will not be a tradition in this country. But well, you're allowed to be a Satanist. It. Well, sure, they can Just be like a Satanist. Just like you're allowed to be a racist, you're allowed to be—it's not against the law. I'm, that's fine. Yeah, they I can mean, be a Satanist. To, to me, it's I'm like, not saying they can't. And, and these people need to be out in the open where they can be seen. I mean, why not have a Jeffrey Dahmer club in your school? Why not have a Ted Bundy club in your school? You know, why not have a don't. drag queen club in your school? You know, the, <laughs> <laughs> there probably are there yeah, probably a bunch are, of those. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, you know, bottom line here is, is that Christians, the majority of Christians need to grow a spine, right? We need to have courage. We need to have boldness. That's why we do this show, because we're encouraging you patriots that are listening, that are watching us to shout out. You have a voice. We have freedom of speech. We have freedom of religion. So, you know, if you go back to the story we just talked about with the United Methodists and Dr. Edwards, right? We expect the persecution to come from outside the walls of the church. Here, we see that his own people, Mm -hmm. right, within the church, within the Bible school, persecuting him because he's literally just taking a stance for what the Bible is standing for, right? Of his own household. Yeah, so now we bring that into the story that we're talking about right now with the Good News Club. The problem in America is is that we have not endured and suffered persecution, right? You go to these other countries, you go to Asia, China, they know what persecution is, mm-hmm. right? If we saw that type of persecution to, you know, I think we talked about this several weeks ago, Marty, are the end times here? Are we in the last days, right? If we saw that type of persecution, we're like, okay, we must be in the tribulation, right? But they live with that because there's other religions that hate Christianity. Here, we're so fortunate in America as patriot, as conservatives, and as Christians, as disciples of Jesus Christ, to you know have Christianity be our founding religion, what this country has been founded on. So now you have a situation like this where we're so passive, where we say, okay, you know what? Our religion is in the school, so let's just allow any other religion. No, Jesus said, we're going to go straight to the gates of hell, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. So that needs to be our stance as Christians, as believers, to say, look, you know what? This is the only true religion. I'm not going to let Satan, atheism, I'm not going to let Buddhism into this school if it's you know, up to me, I mean, obviously there's freedom of religion, so there's only so much that we can do, but we're not just going to easily accept it. If we accept it, hey, let's have a debate. Let's, let's, you know, really be strong on apologetics so we can know how to defend the faith. But I think that's a big thing is, is that is, you know, many Christians don't take that stance that we should. And I think we could have a whole episode on that. Maybe we will, maybe we will, because you know, that's, that would be a heated conversation among us. I'm sure people might be interested in that, but David, you had a comment. Yeah. I I think that the video Christian action network just put out is something that, that that school board really needs to see 
because if you, you what the video does is it it goes through a lot of the things that the satanic club actually teaches to the children and if you're a school board member you got i got to believe that they would look and see that's not appropriate for young children that's not appropriate for young children we don't want that stuff it's it's for young children it's just not appropriate to be in the school and if it if that makes us the good news club can't meet there so be it but it's it's really awful stuff and that was a a very informative video i urge everybody to to check it out it's on youtube and it's it's just a, an excellent video it's called it's the, already getting uh, it's already after getting comments school from satan, satan club <laughs> yeah it's called it's after school satan club so just look that up and uh it should pop up the we satan, try to keep it very generic title so the that satanists Google, are getting riled up by it too yeah mm. satanists don't like it yeah they're going to slam it for sure and uh we already had Rose Bastet, who is the satanic minister of the Chesapeake Elementary School, make a comment on it. So, you know, let's move on to our other story because, uh, you know, in Canada, they now have a children's activity book. So, you know, the Satan Club, they have a children's activity book. And in Canada, it's got a children's activity book to help them understand assisted suicide. So, really? Yeah, so Canada's changed its laws in 2016 to permit youth in Asia. And voters were assured at that time that those lethal injections would only be used for the seriously ill adults. We all know differently now, right? Because we know if you're a homeless person, you can apply to be euthanized. Yeah. If you can't pay your law. rent, you lose your job, you can apply to be euthanized. want to die. Yeah. yeah. If yeah. you just want to die. You, you go to war, your leg's getting injured, you need help getting up the stairs, they'll pay for yeah. you to get euthanized. <laughs> That's yeah. right. some, some grandmother, you know, called for assistance to have one of the stair lifts put in her house because she couldn't negotiate the stairs. <laughs> That's right. And they suggested that rather than do that, <laughs> we can kill you. Instead, have you considered this option? That'll save us the money of putting the stair lift up your stairs. You don't have to worry about the stairs ever again. I yeah. bet people are thinking we're making this up. But anyway, you probably are. Google it. You're going to find out. Or, you know, who knows? Duck, duck, go it. I hate promoting Google all the time. So, <laughs> But uh, anyway, and this will also be kind of a shock. In Canada... Every year, they euthanize 10,000 adults. I mean, 10,000. So it's no wonder they now have to come out with an activity book for little kids that helps them understand why they're killing all of these adults. And that's what the point of the activity book is. We want these kids who might be getting nervous now seeing their grandmother and grandfather and parents and homeless people around them going off and never coming back and being killed because of something they don't understand at that young age. So they wrote a children's book, and it's a coloring book for them. The wording of the news story about it, though, is so interesting when they talked about how they're looking for opening up this option to infants. Oh, yeah. And like zero to one years old. And and they're offering, they want to offer this opportunity to infants. And that's such a, a... critical thinking puzzle because you don't zero to one-year-olds don't understand the concept of offer they're you're offering it to their parents yeah they're offering to kill euthanasia them. to yeah. children That's, canada's yeah. special joint committee all made dr lewis roy said euthanasia should be available to babies from zero to one years 
Right. So it's like, if they it, have any choice. Yeah. So it's <laughs> they had any choice. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's you made a bad decision. You didn't have the abortion. Your yeah, baby's here. Exactly. Yeah. So we're going to give you the option to have the abortion outside of the womb. Late, 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 late term abortion. Now to calm these little tots down when they see their grandparents and elderly people being euthanized, this coloring book or activity book. Uh, here's some of the language in it. It's written for you know a little kid to understand. A doctor or nurse practitioner uses medicines to help the person's body from working. When their body stops working, the person dies. The person does not notice this happening, and it does not hurt. (laughs) When their lungs and their heart stop working, their bodies die. It will not start working again. So, you know, they have to make sure the kid knows that once we stop the heart, it's not going to start beating back up again. Right. So you're not seeing grandma anymore. You're not seeing grandma anymore. But the whole idea, I can't, boy, to be a kid nowadays, right? Yeah. I mean, first to try to to make it confusing about what gender you are, you know, and now they're trying to already prepare you for the ultimate end of your life. So what happens is a a little kid read that book and they're like, oh, that makes total sense now. Now I get it. Thank you so much for explaining that to me. Yeah. So I guess that means. The kids can be euthanized right after they their bodies are mutilated by changing them into a, a different gender. Absolutely, <laughs> right. yeah, they race that, and they can praise right. praise Satan the whole time. So mm. yeah, so a little boy who thinks he wants to be a girl becomes a girl, then decides, no, I want to be back a boy again. They say, well, we can't do that now. Reversing this is a thing, but we can euthanize you. Yeah, and it will not hurt. But yeah. beware, once that heart stops beating, it's not going to start beating again. Just like when we did it to your grandmother. <laughs> All right. So because we're running almost out of time, I do want to get to this one, though. So San Francisco, <laughs> this is just uh, more by All this is just like, uh, you know, it's like everybody must be on drugs down there. society to understand that we this. live in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. San Francisco is going to offer every black resident or they want to go on. They want to. $5 million in reparations. So San Francisco's reparations committee may adopt all 111 recommendations for their city's so-called crimes against African-Americans. Now, mm-hmm. mind you, you know, slavery wasn't in California at all. But nevertheless, they think that they have to pay out because of their crimes that they did to african-americans what are those crimes who knows but anyway here's the package deal or some of the 111 recommendations it would include five million dollars to each black person homes for just one dollar and and this one this one's a pretty mind-boggling as itself but this next one i just cannot comprehend it Ninety-seven thousand dollars a year guaranteed income for 250 years. <laughs> yeah. No euthanasia. I don't understand what that is. <laughs> yeah. So the only thing I could think, David, is that they're extending it to 250 years. Is maybe because you can leave your $97,000 yearly guaranteed income down to one of your kids. Well, what's what do you, is the thought process? Do you think behind 250 years? Because no one's going to live anywhere close to that. Hey, maybe they're fighting abortion with us, and they're like, yeah, you want to keep this money? Or that's (laughs) the amount of time that's elapsed since the founding of the country. I don't understand the logic of any part of the proposal. I mean, economically, it makes no sense. You can't pay $5 million to 
every black person. And no. it is, the black person, as I understand it, doesn't even have to be a resident there or, or for any particular time, you know? It's just, it just, it just insane. Yeah, I'm going to go through the qualifications in just a minute of what you have to do in order to get this, you know, bonanza of money and homes and guaranteed income. Winning lottery ticket. Do want to point out, and they, maybe most people know this, that if they implement just the $5 million, forget the $1 per home and $97,000 a year guaranteed income for 250 years, it's going to cost each taxpayer in San Francisco $600,000. Now, you may think that that's just ludicrous and it'll never happen, but today, a California reparations task force leader and member... <laughs> Lisa Holder, she said the recommendations will be breathtaking. Yeah. So, you yeah, know. Breathtakingly stupid. Breathtakingly <laughs> stupid. All right. Hmm. Let's go through what you have to do to qualify for this money. First, you have to be have been born or migrated to the city between 1940 and 1996. All right. Second, now you, all you have to do is qualify, I think, for... Uh, two of all these lists, and I'm just giving some of the qualifications here, not all of them. Wait a but second. you have to qualify for two of these things. What if you were in 1939? Right. How are you yeah, cut off there? I don't know. For 1997. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there are people. My, you know, father-in-law, he was born in 34. Why he wouldn't be able to? But Marty, um, but yeah. you're saying you only need to qualify for two. So if you qualify for two others, it doesn't make matter when you yeah. came in. Then that doesn't matter. You just have to <laughs> qualify for two of the <laughs> lists. Yeah. All right. If you were incarcerated during the war on drugs, and they put that in like all caps, war on drugs, which which means <laughs> that a bunch of cocaine. If you got <laughs> if you got arrested during the war on drugs because you had some cocaine on you, and you went to jail, then now you qualify for that. So you look, know, you know what? How difficult is it going to be to meet this, right? <laughs> but if that's not enough, if that's not enough. If you, this one I love, if you are part of a marginalized group who experience lending discrimination in the city. So that means that you don't even have to be black to get this now. You could be gay, lesbian, or transgender. Well, they just make them so open-ended that anybody, like you said, can just get this thing. Yeah, that's meaningless. This makes money meaningless. Yeah, and also, uh, if you have identified for as being black for <laughs> you identified from as before, it was cool. Before, it was, come yeah. on, Marty, you're just making this stuff. Up. I know, it just sound that way, darling. So, you know, you can't now identify as being black to get the <laughs> money. You had to previously identified oh, okay. as being black. What a shrewd move on their part. Thanks for clarifying. To prevent, that. to prevent even exploiting <laughs> this. Yeah, no, to prevent. Prevent any fraud, right? You know? fraud. <laughs> and is, I think this—is it was the city council that did this, Marty? Yeah, it's a special reparations committee, which has absolutely no power to enforce these recommendations. And how many blacks are on that panel? I think there's I think one. there's one. Yeah, and uh, the rest are white. Or, and then you got the white guilt. And right? I'll tell you Going the reason. On. That's exactly it. That's the reason that they're doing this is because that anyone who speaks up against it is afraid of being labeled a racist. Right. Because well, the, the moment you say, this is idiocy, you're a racist. Yeah. And, and they're we, more scared of that. 
The mm. reason they're doing it is because none of them are going to have to pay for it. <laughs> and they're right. just yeah. out there well, talking. Well, they don't think they are. They get off yeah. the hook, right? Yeah. And you got to ask, how many identified as, as black prior to them being part of the council now? I know. Right? They, like, they have a plan, uh, and it's going to work out. <laughs> there, there was, uh, I know in this story, Marty, there was a, a former BLM supporter who's now a conservative, yeah. mm-hmm. right? And he said... He had a, a good insight here because he said that this is indoctrinating blacks and, and yeah. these minorities yeah. into a victim mentality. It's, right? it's completely and, wrecking. and it really is. Yeah. Well, there'll be, you know, a wealthy victim mentality, right? I mean, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to claim victimhood if you can get $5 million. Now, imagine that. That's, not, that's for every black person. So if you are married, right, so you're going to get $10 million plus 97 Times two for for an annual income for the next two hundred and fifty years. And and then you can buy a house. And each one can buy a house right. though. You yeah. can now have two houses. When you get sent to the dog house in San Francisco, you're not gonna complain. Yeah. Right? Because right. when the wife kicks you out, it doesn't matter because you got another one dollar house out there that you can right. you go wallet. into. Well, this like is no different than any other democratic strategy. They get out there and they promise black people all these things that they're going to do for them, never do any of them, and just continue to hope they get their votes. I mean, but that's yeah. what it is. It's never it's like so this far. is realistic. This is something that we're actually going to be able to do. No, they just put it out there so they could say, hey, vote D. Yeah, but, you know, this is kind of like uh, they need reparations from the reparations committee because here they are promising them this pipe dream, this paradise. They're not going to be able to fulfill it. They got these African Americans out there, their hopes up. They're about to be rich. They're not going to understand that this is not going to happen. Most of them don't. They think they're really going to get this money. Then they're going to find out they're not going to get anything. I mean, that's torturing these people for nothing. Talking about, you know, being a racist, why would you do that to anybody? That'd be like you going to one of your children, uh, you know, pastor, and saying, oh, you know, if you get good schoolwork, I'm going to take you to Disney World. And when you're at Disney World, we're going to do all these fun things. We're going to go all these rides. I'm going to buy you all these things. I'm going to buy stuff. you Disney World. And That's then, what they're saying. Right. <laughs> In this case, they are. <laughs> and then once they do their schoolwork, you go, oh, sorry, we don't really have the money for that. I mean, right. yes, torturing your child. Yeah. That's um, what they're doing to these people. They're just torturing them. Right. And we wonder why they're marginalized and they're hurting and. You know, it, it's a false hope, and it's funny because the individual I just mentioned, he he said he used the word that it was unrealistic, and certainly it is. But I'm just like unrealistic. I mean, we're way past unrealistic, right? right. That's an yeah. understatement. It's, this is just idiotic to yeah. even like think about this. And on top of that, would you say there's 111 things on that list? Yeah, 111. <laughs> it's like right saying we're going to build a bridge to the moon or something. All right, but here's here's something, David. I think this one just got me really perhaps more upset than anything is that Lisa Holder, who is a member of this California Reparations Task Force. See that? I said it right this time. It just (laughs) flew out of my mouth. She says this, this mandate, meaning those recommendations, those 111 recommendations, this mandate comports with the United Nations International Conventions for Reparations. Now, when in the United States do we care what the United Nations mm. does? I, I fear this country is looking at the United Nations as though we are below them now. 
We have to look to them for guidance on our laws and our policies and what we do. And if it's okay with the United Nations, not just okay with them, if the United Nations is demanding that this be done, then we as Americans need to step aside and let the United Nations rule. I, I see us moving that direction, and this idiot lady you know, makes me really a full so. believer of it. Yeah, I mean, well, that's that's the problem. That's why you got to get the education right. But, uh, I think David had something to say. Yeah, David. The one comment in the article, which I find t- really telling, is that I'm going to read this. Even supporters of the plan, like Melgar, admit they have not worked out how to fund it, but <laughs> insist that it does not make it unreasonable. Yeah. <laughs> insist. <laughs> and there's some Republican at the very end of the article who's just like, this is just absolutely nuts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like, uh, you know, the bank in California that went bankrupt, right? They thought everything was reasonable with what they were doing. And there was no problem taking all the money in the bank and pushing it towards social causes. Silicon Valley. It, yeah, yeah. Silicon Valley Bank. Yeah. yeah. It's all reasonable. They thought it was reasonable until it went bankrupt. And that's exactly what this other, you know, California. Uh, city is going to do. Yeah, they have zero risk management. The, yeah, the where's San the risk Francisco? management person in charge of that reparations committee? Right. I don't know. All right. Well, that wraps it up for today's episode of Shout Out Patriots. If you liked it, if you hate it, I don't care. Tune in. We want to inform. We want to inspire. We want to get you out there. We want to get you mad. And uh, we hope to have you back on next week when we return. So until then, have a good evening, and we will chat with you later. Bye-bye.